Welcome to the podcast of Community Baptist Church of Harrison, Ohio. I'm Pastor Doug Wallen, and I want to thank you for listening. If you want to know more about Community Baptist Church, I'd like to invite you to visit us on the web at cbcharrison.com. Thanks for listening. We are going to begin a new series, and uh, I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and uh, oftentimes when we think about Christianity, we spend a lot of time, in fact, I, I think we would, it's fair to say that we spend the majority of our time looking back at what Jesus Christ did, and, and we look at his life, and we look at that uh, all the, the prophecies, we even go back to Genesis and we see, you know, where we came from and we see how God created everything and Adam and Eve in the garden and, and the fall of man and how, how it kind of helps us explain this, this broken world that we live in. And then we, we, we come up to the part where Jesus Christ has come and, and he's born and it's so exciting to read that, that God became man and that God became man in such an unusual way, not, not in the way that we thought or would have suspected that he came into this world as, as a little baby, very approachable. And, and, and as we look at his life, we see, we, we focus on that. We focus on what he did and, and the way he loved people and the way he spent time with people. And, uh, and it's powerful. Um, but too often, that's where we let it stop. And it's, while it's amazing to think about, there's actually much more to the story than for us to come on Sunday mornings and look at what Jesus did. Because the rest of the story we're going to talk about beginning this morning over the next several weeks, and that Christianity is not just about what Jesus did, but it's about what he is going to do. And what he's going to do is he is coming back. The message of Christianity is not just that Jesus Christ died on the cross and it is not just that he rose from the grave. The message of Christianity is that he is coming back. John chapter 14. Let's, let's read this together. Jesus is talking to his disciples and as he's talking to his disciples, he, he, he's kind of explaining, trying to prepare them for what's getting ready to happen. He knows the time is approaching that he's going to be crucified. He knows the time is approaching where he is not going to be here any longer, and he's preparing them for that. And in John 14, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus is preparing the disciples for the fact, and us for the fact, that he is going to be leaving, and we read about that, we talk about that a lot. But he wants them to understand, too, that he's coming back. Acts chapter 1. Let's, let's turn there together and let's read Acts chapter 1. Acts 1 is, 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 is a powerful place in God's Word where we get to see Jesus' last words before he leaves to go to heaven to be with God. And uh, he spent 40 days with his disciples and he sit, 
spent this time explaining to them all the things that they didn't get when he was here on earth with them. And then he's, he's explaining it to them, and then they're in turn passing that information along to us in the form of the Gospels, in the form of, 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 of you know, the, the New Testament as we, we understand more and more about why Jesus came and what his purpose was. But as we look in Acts chapter 1, he's winding it all down. And as we read this, we're going to see the last thing that happens is, is he's taken up and he ascends up into heaven and he's gone. All right? And the disciples are looking around. Listen to what he says. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. It says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who is taken up from you in heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. What are they saying? He's gone, but he's coming back. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I read this a lot of times at funerals because there's so much comfort and there's so much hope in this passage of scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is talking about that time when Jesus Christ will come back. And what will happen and what will that look like? In verse 13, it says this. It says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now, when he's, he says fallen asleep, it's the same term that he used when he was talking about Lazarus, who he said had fallen asleep. They said, no, it means that he died. All right. So he's saying, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or concerning those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, who died in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, Remember, we just read, as he ascended up into heaven, so he's going to come back, all right? And that's what's talking about First 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we shall always be with the Lord Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So as Paul's writing this in Thessalonians, he's saying, look, just as we said he was going to leave and, and the angels told us that he's coming back, this is how it's going to happen. There is going to be a day that's going to be different from every other day that, that this world has ever experienced. It's going to be the day that, that sometime during the day or sometime in the middle of the night, 
that there's going to be a shout from God. There's going to be the voice of an archangel is going to shout. The trumpet's going to sound, and Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth. And that is what makes Christianity what Christianity is. It's not about just studying something that happened a long time ago and how it will affect my life today. Christianity is about the reality that just as Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead, so we will be able to do the same. That just as Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, one day he's going to come back and make everything right. It's called the rapture. It's called the return of Christ. And as, as you read in 1 Thessalonians, it's saying that whenever we think about that, and we think about the fact that when Jesus Christ returns, some really cool things are going to happen. First of all, the world's going to begin to see him for who he is. There's going to be this period of time, we're not going to go into this morning, but there's going to be this period of time where our world is going to change. All right? But as you read this story, it says that when he comes back, not only is he coming back, but he's bringing those who believed in him, who have died before us, with him. And there will be a reunion. Christianity is, is at its core telling us that there's something more. It's telling us that when we die, that it is not an end. It's telling us that, that our loved ones who have accepted Christ, we're going to see again someday. It's telling us some things that are pretty powerful. And as you read that, he says, comfort one another with these words. Because when he comes back, we'll always be with the Lord. I want you to think about that for a minute. We will always be with the Lord. We're going to talk about that in a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 also talks about this return. I just want to read the main places in the Bible that talks about the return of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to start in verse 49. And it's a lot. Uh, follow with me. It says that as we have borne the image of the man of dust. Now, the man of dust was the man who was created of dust, which was Adam. All right? So as, as we have borne the image of Adam, all right, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. The heavenly man is Jesus. All right? Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. So behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, remember we just read about that, the trumpet sounds, Jesus Christ returns, all right? He says, at the last trumpet, he says, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Right? So what happens when Jesus Christ returns is that something happens inside of us. There are going to be those who died in Christ before and then there are going to be those who are alive when he returns. But what's going to happen is, is there's going to be a change that is going to take place and we're going to be different. And he says, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. What's it, what's it talking about? We're, we're deteriorating, we're breaking down. Every morning I wake up, I look in the mirror, and I can see the evidence of it. 
you know, a new wrinkle or a new something pops up, you know. But there's going to be a day where that's going to change. There's going to be a day where you're not going to have to worry about getting older. There's going to be a day where you're not going to have to worry about becoming ill. Or there's not going to be a day where we're not going to have to worry about death. There's going to be a day where everything is going to be put back to the way God wanted it to be. And the coming of Christ is key to that. So he goes on and he says, he says, just the, it shall be brought to pass the saying that's written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where's your sting? O Hades, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. All right, so what's he saying? In a nutshell, he's coming back. He didn't just walk on this earth. He didn't just resurrect from the dead. He didn't just go to heaven. He's coming back. And I want you to think about what that should mean to us. The first thing I want to think about is this, is that the world will not always continue on the way it has. Our world will not always continue on the way that it has. I want you to really grasp that. There will be a day where there is no tomorrow. There will be a day where everything changes. We sometimes get lulled into this idea that, um, that everything's just going to continue and it, we had this beginning and then it's just going to continue and continue and continue and continue. But Jesus is driving home something. He's saying that it is not going to always continue. There will be a day where all of this changes. And we look around in our world and, and, and sometimes, don't you just kind of long for that? Don't you long for a world where you don't have to worry about going out into a public place? Or long for a world where you don't have to worry about, about the devastation and, and the hurt and the pain and all the stuff that sometimes happens in our world? The only way that's ever going to happen is there's going to have to be a drastic change and that change begins to take place when Jesus Christ returns. 2 Peter chapter 3 says this, it says, Beloved, I write to you now this second epistle, the second letter, in which I stir up your minds by way of reminder. Now, I want you to be remind, mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us. I want you to know this first. Scoffers will come on the last day, walking according to their own lusts, and say, where's the promise of his coming? They'll say, since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. They're going to say, there was a yesterday, there will be a tomorrow. People have been talking about this for a long time. Jesus Christ is not going to come back. But it goes on. It says, for this they willfully forget. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Beloved, um, don't forget this one thing, that a day, that with the Lord one day is, is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. 
but the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. There's long suffering toward us, not wanting that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. What's he saying? He's saying that Jesus is coming. We don't know when that's going to be. We're going to talk next week about what, what are some of the signs of Jesus' coming and, and what, what, how do we know when it's getting near. And we're going to talk about that a little bit next week. But, but this morning, we just need to understand and be driven home that the Lord's not slack concerning His promise. He promised that He's coming back, and He will come back. And we don't know if it's going to be today, or we don't know if it's going to be a thousand years from now. We don't know. But we know that he's coming back, and we know that that knowledge should change and affect the way we live today. The knowledge that Jesus Christ is returning should affect the way we live today. It should give us a different perspective on our world. Jesus' return should give us a different perspective on our world. We had a, uh, we, we were at a wedding last night, and uh, my nephew got married. And we had uh, some, uh, my, my son's uh, girlfriend uh, came in from Virginia to go to the wedding with him. So was, this weekend at the Wallen House, we had a house full, and it was, it was always, it was a lot of fun. Um, so Alma's coming in from Virginia, we find out that she's coming in. Let me tell you that that changed things at the Wallen house, right? All of a sudden, you start looking around, and you're like, oh, I never noticed that before, you know? You start looking at all of Matt's stuff in the living room, and all of my stuff over here, and all this stuff all around, and you start thinking, huh, she's going to be here on Friday. Was it Thursday or Friday? Thursday. She's going to be here on Thursday. That was like four days ago. She's going to be here on Thursday, and we better get ready for the fact that she's coming because she's going to come and we don't want to see the house looking like it normally does. All right? And that's, no, that's nothing on Sue. That's more on us. All right? Looking like it normally does. Matt's kind of interesting. Matt's home now, and uh, he's, been, he's, he's, uh, he's been living with us for a little while. And uh, one extra person in the house makes a huge difference in, in what happens with our house. It's kind of funny. Uh, but... As you look around, think about what happens when you know you have company coming. Every Wednesday night, we have small group. And, uh, or Thursday night, we have small group. And every, every Thursday, we come home, and we, we do the things that you would do if you're having a small group at your house. You know, we vacuum, we clean, we, we make sure everything's set in the way it's supposed to be because we don't want people to come. We want, we want to be prepared when people come. And that's, the, that's, that's what Jesus Christ is saying. The reason why Jesus Christ is telling us that I'm coming back is he wants to give us notice that he's coming back. He wants us to know he's coming so we can be ready when he comes. He doesn't want it to be a surprise in that, oh, I, I'm just popping in and you didn't know I was coming. He said, no, I'm coming, but he kind of throws a twist in it. He says, I'm coming, but I'm not telling you when. Right? <laughs> Why would he do that? Why would he say, I'm coming, but I'm not telling you when? He does it because we should be living every day like he was coming tomorrow. And if we could just grasp what that means to us, it would change so much in our lives. We would have a different perspective of our world. We would have a different perspective of our problems. We would have a different perspective of life. And 
the gift of knowing about Jesus' return gives us an opportunity to do things today that I will wish I had done tomorrow. It's interesting, you know, as we think about that. If Jesus Christ was returning tomorrow, how would you live differently today? If you looked at your planner and you saw that next Tuesday that Jesus Christ was going to return at 6.30, what would you do between now and next Tuesday at 6.30? I bet there are some things that you worry about that suddenly wouldn't become so important. And I bet there's some things that you're not too worried about that would suddenly become a little more urgent. I bet there are some people that, that you would you would maybe give a call and talk to or make, maybe make arrangements to see. I think that there may be some relationships in your lives that, that you, you've just out of habit allowed to come to a certain place that you realize that, hey, I'm not going to have that much longer in this relationship. I'm going to make it everything that it could be. There are going to be things that you would say to your kids that you probably uh, wouldn't have said. There are going to be things that you say to your wife or your husband that you probably need to say but haven't said. There are going to be people that you will want to tell about Christ that we know we need to tell, but we just haven't told. Because we know he's coming next Tuesday at 6.30. Jesus tells us that we should live as though he's coming next Tuesday at 6.30. It, it would put our lives into so much more perspective. It will remind us of the things that are really important. It remind us that people and souls are much more important than the things that we so often put our time and money into. Hebrews chapter 11 God tries to explain this to us, and he talks about a group of people in the hall of faith. And this is the chapter in the Bible where it talks about, by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, you know, Joshua did this. By faith, Moses did this. And, and this, it lists all these people by faith, right, and what they did. But then it, 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 it talks about this. It says, it says that there's this group of people who, when you read this, it says God was not ashamed to be called their God. When you read about this group of people, it says, God, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. That implies that God may be ashamed to be called some people's God. Let me read what it says. Hebrews eleven thirteen says, these, these people all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and listen to this. It's talking about the promises of God. He said they embraced them and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Why don't you think about what that means? This group of people who God is going to say that I'm not ashamed to be called their God. I'm, I'm excited to be associated with them. They viewed their time here as strangers and pilgrims on the earth. What did it mean? I mean, they were living here, but this wasn't home. They were living here but they acknowledged that this was temporary. And as you read this, it says, it says, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had been called, if they had called to mind the country from which they come out of, they would have had opportunity to return. But 
Now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. All right? So he's saying, I'm saying, I'm telling you, I want everybody to understand, I'm coming back. And the fact that you know that I'm coming back, that should change the way you look at the world around you. What if there was no tomorrow? We should live like that today. And as you read this, and, and you see what he says, it, he talks about this group of people who were just they, just, they just decided, you know, this is just not home. And you feel that when you look at the things that are going on in this world, and you see some of the, the horrible things, and we see the things we experience, we go, wow, this is not, this is not the place that I want to be forever. And God says there's more. There's a place I've prepared for you. And I'm coming home. And we need to view this as not all there is. There's more than just saving for retirement. There's more than just saving up for those last few years of our lives. There's more than just working to have all kinds of things that we can't take with us. There's more. There's more than all of that. Jesus is coming back. And that should change us. So First John says, don't love the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away. The world is passing away. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So what's he saying? He's saying that well, it's a good, and you know, we read Proverbs, and downstairs with the teenagers, we're going through Dave Ramsey, uh, Dave Ramsey uh, series on how to handle finances and, and biblical perspectives on finances. We're going through that with the teenagers downstairs, all right? So it's good to plan, and, and we should plan for our investments, and we should plan for our retirement. That's wise. We should save. We should, we should be able to, we should try to do those things. I'm not saying don't do that. But what I'm saying is, as much effort and thought as we put into preparing for our future here, we should be putting more thought into preparing for our future there. Does that make sense? I bet that a lot of you have a retirement plan that you're working towards or you're giving some thought to. But how many of you have a he's coming back plan? What are the things that I want to do? What are the things that I want to see? Who do I want to make sure knows Jesus is their Savior? Who do I, what? He's saying, I'm coming. In 1 John 2, 28, he's saying, Abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed of him at his coming. Let me say it. Abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. When Jesus comes, there are going to be things that we place an awful lot of emphasis and importance on that Jesus may look at and go, yeah, that's, 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 that's great, but what about these things? What have you done with me? How have you grown in your relationship with me? How have you reached out to other people? How have you loved people in my, in my name? Who have you told about Christ? What seeds have you planted that would, that would come up and, and, and reap fruit. 
God feels so strongly about us having this, this knowledge and this idea that, and grasping the fact that he is coming and the knowledge that he's coming should change us. That he has a special reward for those who figure this out. Let me read this. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I finished the faith. I've kept the faith. I finished the race and I've kept the faith. Finally, now listen. There's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What's he saying? He's saying, I've told you I'm coming back. So you can have a knowledge of that, so it can change, affect the way you live today. I've not told you when I'm coming back, because I want you to live like I'm coming, could come back at any time. And then he goes on and he says, if you figure out just how important this is, just to grasp the fact that this is all temporary, and to grasp the fact that this is not our real home, if you can figure that out, he says, I have a special reward for you. For all who love those appearing, he gives, he says he gives a crown of righteousness. Living with an awareness that Jesus is coming back should change everything, right? It should change everything. Where are my priorities going to be? Am I ready for Jesus to return today? Are the people I care about ready for Jesus to return if he came today? It's really easy, isn't it? I mean, honestly, and, I, and for me too, to get caught up in the routine of life, setting the alarm every morning, expecting that it's going to go off, not really thinking that there's going to be a day where it may not. It's not something that might happen. It's something that will happen. He will come back. It could be in your lifetime. It could be soon. It may not be for a thousand years. But you and I, we need to live as though he was coming back soon. If we knew that, how would we rearrange some of our priorities? What would cease to be as urgent and what would suddenly begin to become a little more urgent as a church let's figure that out I mean we live our life go to work you know that's that's what we do we take care of our families and and we prepare for our our futures and our retirements and our families and we do all those things but let's not miss the most important thing let's not miss the preparing for the fact that the real future is is going to be as well that he is coming Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for our time together. And the fact that you're coming back, it should change us. It, it should just, it should just, that knowledge should, should affect us. 
And God, too often we, we live we live as though things we have a promise that things will just continue as they are. God, I just pray you'd help us to grasp how powerful it is, how comforting it is, how, how awesome it is to know that you're going to come back. And the accountability that provides to us and, and helps us to just kind of stay on track with the things, doing things that, that really will matter to you someday. Help us to figure that out now. And, and to live our lives and enjoy life in, in the abundant way that you, you desire us to do, but, but to also live with an awareness that you're returning. That help it to change us, that knowledge. In Jesus' name we pray. I thought it just happened. Okay. Let's stand just in attitude of prayer. We know, we know the Bible says it's coming back, right? We know that. I didn't tell you anything this morning that, that you've never heard before. I really do want you to think about it. Jesus could come back anytime. We know that it's going to happen. And we know that even if he does not come back in our lifetime, we know that we're going to stand before him. What things are there in your life right now that you're excited about standing before Jesus and sharing with him? If you can't really think of something, I want to challenge you to begin thinking about what can there be in my life and when I stand before my Heavenly Father, I can stand before Him and say, I am so excited that I got to be a part of what you were doing in this. Or it may be that, that the thought of Jesus Christ coming back and we standing before Him, there may be some things in your life you're saying, really not real excited about I'm seeing these things. This is our chance now to, to evaluate where we are and what we're doing. And to make sure that there are things in our lives that we can look to and say, God, I love you. I know you love me. And, and this is what I did for you. These are the people I love. these are the people that I, I shared your love with. I invite you to spend some time. Talk to God. Tell Him that, that you want to be that guy that stands before Him and says, I fought the good fight. I, I finished my race.
There's a group of people in Hebrews, chapter 11, who said, I'm, I'm going to choose to live my life as though there's something more than this. I'm going to choose to live my life as though there's something more than this. God looked at him and he was so excited about what they were doing. I'm not ashamed to be called their God. I'm excited to be their God. Let's be those people. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray you'd help us to, to put this all in perspective. The things that we stress about. <laughs> How are we going to feel about that in line of eternity? Help us to find opportunities and people to love in your name. Help us to spend time with you, to know you, and to make you known while we're living, loving, and serving like you. Thank you for what it's going to mean to stand before you someday. Let us live in a way that we can be excited about your return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.